Today's readings today focus in on beginning this uh, powerful Lenten journey that we're on by intentionally seeking the Lord, seeking to have Him reveal Himself to us, and in doing so, having our own life revealed before Him. The truth of who we are in our poverty, the truth of who we are in our sinfulness, our brokenness, our woundedness. That beginning of the journey, and really what Lent is all about, is very powerfully represented to us today through the image of the gospel passage, going into the desert. This is something that Jesus, the Savior of the world, himself did before he began his ministry. He goes to the desert, and he goes through a time of testing and refining, even though he's perfect. It's interesting, if he who is perfect has to go through testing and refining— would make sense that we, in our imperfection, probably need it even more. And there's really three, maybe, phases to what happens when we're called into the desert, which is really what Lent is about. Really three phases that, if we're doing Lent right, we go through, probably in different moments, but really that play out over the course of Lent, if we're doing Lent right, if it's really going to bear fruit. I want to talk about those three stages today. The first one is going into the desert to begin with. Have we decided to go into the desert? Have we heard the call to go there to be purified and said yes to it? Second, when we go into the desert, have we confronted evil there, the evil of our own life, the evil of a broken world that will never satisfy our hearts? The, the things that most profoundly weigh on us here in this world, places of suffering, places of death, places of despair, shame, confronting evil. And then third, in confronting evil, pushing forth to God, looking to him in the midst of confronting that evil and all that that evil entails, the lies over our life, the, the slavery that it wants to entrap us in, the places of dissatisfaction and loss of purpose, lukewarmness that we all experience, do we, out of that, push towards God, letting the truth resonate in our hearts? All three of those stages, Jesus models for us today in our gospel passage. He goes into the desert, he confronts evil there, and he pushes towards God, ultimately giving his life. And because of that, he is transformed. He opens the gates of eternal life to us. So the first kind of phase of Lent, going into the desert. I don't know if, if you're like me, but I think back, I was thinking about like my previous Lents, thinking about like the ones that have really been fruitful over my life and the ones who don't, the ones that haven't. And if I had to, to break it down to define the ones that were most successful, the ones that were most successful, I think, were the ones where I, I slowed down the most, where I, I didn't let the, the busyness of my life dictate the, the season of Lent. I didn't let the busyness overcome the things that are required during Lent for me to truly be in the desert with God. What are those things that are required to really choose to go into the desert? First, 
Think about all the qualities of the desert. It's a place of stillness and silence. It's a place of barrenness. And not not necessarily barrenness as in like badness, but barrenness as in simplicity. It's a place where I'm called back to the basics of my life. It's a place where I have to let go of the things that surround me and define me and and yell at my life of who I am and what I should be doing and how I should be acting, the ways in which I just respond to things in my life because I'm so busy. The stillness of the desert is really what I have to choose to go into it. I have to choose to be there. And of course, during Lent, we have those three beautiful tools that help us to enter into the desert, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer, which gives me that time of silence if I'm praying right, actually entering into a time of solitude to let God speak to my heart, just not praying, you know, haphazardly during, during the day, although sometimes that's all I can do, but have I intentionally carved out time to be with Jesus, to hear his voice, to share my heart, for him to personally speak over my life? Have I intentionally entered into that silence so that the truth of my heart is exposed? Henry Now, in a beautiful, amazing, uh, kind of modern uh, spiritual writer, talks about this challenge that we experience in our life of, of not wanting to go into the desert, the place of silence. I want to read with you just very briefly a quote that he has about this. He says, The fact that we're not called to the monastic life or do not have the physical constitution to survive the rigors of the desert does not excuse us from creating our own solitude. Precisely because our secular world offers so few spiritual disciplines, we have to create our own. We have indeed to fashion our own desert where we can withdraw each day, shake off our compulsions, and dwell in the gentle, healing presence of our Lord. Without such a desert, we will lose our soul while preaching the gospel to others. We will lose our soul while preaching the gospel to others. But with such a spiritual abode, we will become increasingly conformed to him in whose name we minister. The very thing we need to do is to set apart a time and a place to be with God and to be with him alone. That's hard to do, though, in our life. Seek the solitude and silence of our life. Because as you know, when we go into that place of solitude, we confront the, the reality of our life. We confront the evil that's there. It's interesting, that's what we hear about in our first reading today. Adam and Eve, who are there, they're surrounded by all these good things. The first reading talks about today the, the garden that God gave them. He gave them all these beautiful good things. And yet they confront this evil from the voice of the serpent, who immediately starts to speak evil, lack of trust into their heart. We hear the serpent today say, did God really tell you not to eat from any tree in the garden? So he's sowing these seeds of distrust, distrust. And notice in those words of the evil one, what is he basically saying? He's saying, God is not trustworthy. And so you yourself need to become like him. 
because that, that's what the, the serpent says next. If you eat of the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. And that's what God's afraid of. And isn't that so true in our life that that's the sin we always fall into, that God is not trustworthy, so I have to define good and evil for myself. That's what the world is always trying to do. That's essentially the very root of every sin is I, I choose what good and evil is, that God is not the source of good and evil in our life. And so confronting that evil in our life when our life is laid bare, being willing to do that. Now, we could enter into the desert and not do that, which is very interesting. Jesus talks about last weekend about that. We could go into the desert like the Pharisees and say, hey, here's my life. I'm laying it bare. I'm even taking times of prayer, but I'm doing it out of a desire to earn God's love, out of a desire to um, try and check a box off. I'm doing a desire. I'm doing it out of a desire to kind of put on this nice face, this ashen face of a good Catholic who's doing what they're supposed to do during Lent. But I'm doing it not out of a desire to connect with Jesus, who's the source of life, or a desire to really lay bare those places of darkness in my life. I'm doing it out of spiritual pride. I'm still doing these things with a place in my heart of distrust. I'm even controlling the, the places of fasting. How do we lay that bear before God and confront that evil with him? It's interesting. Jesus lets himself be exposed to that, and then what does he do, which is the third phase of the desert? He confronts that evil with, the God, with God, his Father, responding with the truths of faith that set us free. So Jesus responds very beautifully to these temptations with these deep truths of faith. What are his three responses? First, he says, one does not live by bread, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So God's words are trustworthy. And so I live by those words, not by the things of this world, the false evils that don't satisfy my heart, the bread that I continuously eat and I still have to eat again for dinner. So I live on the words of God, which are trustworthy, his promises that he's with me, and the truths that, look, he's laid out this whole garden for me. He is a God who's trustworthy, who has provided for me, who loves me, who actually has come to give me life and give it to the full. Not to take life away from me. Once again, that's the, that's the lie of the evil one. God is not trustworthy. He's trying to impose on you all these laws and all these, all these things to take away life. No, God has come to give us life and give it to the full. You know, that's the, the powerful words that he says to his disciples. I've come calling you not slave, but friend. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Trust me. So I live by God's words alone, not by bread. His second response, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So I trust you, God, enough where I don't even put you to the test in my life. I'm willing to do the things that you ask without grumbling, without, without trying to dodge what you ask, to, to go through that difficult purifying reality in my life where I seek to trust you anew in my life, and that requires risking what will happen if you're not there, which is difficult. And then finally, away with you, Satan. 
For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. You know, worship God alone. He alone deserves praise. He alone deserves glory, not me, which is so hard in our life. You know, all three of these responses from Jesus draw our attention and our devotion to God, our ultimate power. It draws us out of ourselves to him. So we push out of those places of the despair, the silence, the difficulty of the desert to him. Lord, help me to find truth in you. Help me to find power in you. So Lent is really about these three movements of our hearts. Once again, pushing out of the, the, the loud noises of our life, the busyness, I'm going to the desert through intentional practices of prayer, fasting and almsgiving where I'm denying myself and creating opportunities where God can speak in the tension there, where I'm realizing that I want these things for myself. I'm forced to turn to you, God, for strength and power. Second, as I'm there in the desert, I intentionally expose the places of evil in my life where I'm believing those lies of the evil one. That I need the bread of this world. That I need that prestige that others give me. That I can't accept poverty because I don't know who I am in the midst of that poverty of my life. How do I, with Jesus there, turn to you, God, and say, show me who I am. And then finally, there, as I'm experiencing that poverty, how do I, with Jesus, push out of it to God? Saying, God, reform me in the truths of who you are. Help the truths of who you are in your love as a loving Father reign over my heart. Help my life to be renewed in you. Dear brothers and sisters, we come before our Lord and our God asking for that grace for ourselves, for the church, for our families. The, the amazing encouragement that we receive today is from the second reading about how one man, Jesus, was able to heal the one sin of the first parents, Adam and Eve. And it's this amazing, beautiful message about how one person redeems all, you know, and how Jesus is really the source of our redemption during this time. He helps us do all three of those steps. He helps me be willing to have courage to go into the desert. He helps me to have courage to confront evil in my life. And he helps me to have courage to push and go to God to receive his love, to really truly know at the depth of my heart that I'm his beloved son, his beloved daughter, and I'm not defined by this world. And in doing so, my life being transformed. And I want to take this one final step further to give you maybe a vision of what could come out at the end of Lent. You know, I think it's important to visualize, you know, like athletes do, you know, if I do things right, this is what's going to happen. You know, athletes do that nowadays. My brother, he's doing psychology right now, and he's specializing in sports psychology. This is a new kind of field where psychologists actually work with athletes of like visualizing what would it look like for you to make the perfect pass to make a touchdown? What would it look like for you to make that perfect shovel to the, the running back so that they don't bobble it? What would it may, look like for you to be in the air and make sure you have enough distance to get that awesome dunk that's going to be the perfect camera moment? It's pretty interesting. Over the last 10 years, they've actually found that psychological training with athletes actually helps them do better than actually extra practice time, which is incredible. So taking time, once again, this is why prayer is so important. It's visual spiritual surgery where I let God show me what my life would look like in that desert as he renews me, as he gives me strength as I confront the evil, as he helps me to push towards God. What would that look like in my life? Where am I going to sit when I pray? 
How am I going to avoid the busyness and the loudness of my house and my kids to find that place of solitude? Is it going to be when I leave for work, I leave 15 minutes early and just sit in my car in the driveway and just pray there because that's the only place of silence at the house? Is it waking up 15 minutes early and sitting there with my coffee so I have that silent time to be with him? Is it waking up early to be with the kids so my wife can get that, you know, private prayer time so she can be strengthened throughout the day? Is it a place of committing to that as with my spouse in my time of retirement, interceding for my grandkids, asking that they would join us for that when we get together on Sunday, having a intentional prayer time when we get together on Sundays as a family? What does that visual, visualization look like in our lives, to let God do those three things over our life? Because if we don't do that with intentionality, what ends up happening, like I said at the beginning, is we just end up at the end of Lent and we're like, where did the time go? My life's the same. Yeah, I maybe changed a couple practices, but they didn't really transform the roots of my life. I really truly didn't expose, I wasn't truly exposed to the desert that then breathes forth new life at the deepest roots, because in the desert, the plants that survive only are the ones who can go super deep to receive that deep water that is the richest and is the most pure and true, which gives life to the deep places of desire in our heart that really want to know without a doubt, no matter what suffering and pain and difficulty come, that God is there as a loving Father in our life. And I believe it truly. And I live it no matter what comes against me. So encountering the one who gives life, who is Jesus. So we ask for that grace for ourselves, for the world, and for us here at St. Helens especially. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.